Well, good morning, Radiant City Church. It's a, joy to, it's a joy and a privilege to be with you all this morning. I just want to say, let's continue to give God some praise this morning, right? Amen. We want to praise God for who he is. We want to praise God for what he's done. And we want to pray God in expectant faith for what he's going to continue to do. Amen. So if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Cliff, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Radiant City. And if this is your first time here with us this morning, I saw a few people here this morning, we want to say welcome. Welcome and thank you for joining us. There's lots of other places you could have been here this morning, but you chose to come to be a part of our faith family. And I just want to share that I don't think you could have came on a better Sunday than this Sunday with the new season of life that Radiant City is entering into. Church, today we are going to be re-examining and revisiting the vision of our church. And for context this morning, vision can be defined as a clear, exciting picture for the church, as we believe it can be and as it must be. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so having a clear vision is of paramount importance in any organization and especially in the church. That said, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and meet me in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say, Lord, help me. And like a good neighbor, Radio City will be there, all right? The title of today's message is called A Radiant City. A Radiant City. Now, I don't know if you all remember... But on September 26, 2020, I don't know if y'all know our backstory, but on September 26, 2020, almost two years ago today, we met right here in this building. Y'all remember that? We met here to have an interest meeting about starting a new church, and we were right smack in the middle of the pandemic, and we were in a terribly dark and challenging season, not knowing what the future held. And on that day, on a Saturday, we met here not knowing what to expect, what would take place, but two words, but God. That day ended up being an awesome one, and what made the day so special was that God showed up in a powerful way, and he met intimately with us. He gave us hope, and our God gave us direction on that day. And casting vision for Radiant City, we reminded each other of what the church is. Or better yet, who the church is. We wanted to emphasize in defining the church, biblically speaking, that contrary to popular belief, the church is not a building. The church is not a place with programs. But the church of God is a divine people with a divine purpose. Amen? Yeah. That it not matter where we gather. If we gather in a school, if we gather in a park or at a comedy club like this right now. Because in these last days, we know that Spaces aren't sacred. God, people are. Amen. We remind one another the church is the people of God, but even more, that the church is the bride of Christ. Amen. And in Ephesians chapter 5, while talking on Christ's relationship to the church, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, helps us to see that Christ's goal as the church's husband is to present her to himself as a radiant church. As an illuminating church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. And we said, Amen to that. Amen. We want to be a radiant church. Why? Because Jesus says his bride, the church, is radiant, that she is unconditionally beautiful. 
And so it's our conviction that whatever divisions, shortcomings, or hardships, or grievous sins that the church might go through, Jesus died for her. Amen. In love, he laid down his life for the church, for all of those who would place saving faith and submit to him as their Lord and Savior. Jesus died to make his church radiant church. And so it is with us. Husbands, we love our wives, don't we? I need to hear more amens than that. We love our wives, amen? I know I love mine. Hey, baby. I know many of y'all, y'all see Pastor Cliff as this big teddy bear, and I am. But if you want to see a different side of Pastor Cliff, talk about my wife. Look at my wife the wrong way. And like an infamous theologian by Kevin Hart said, you're going to learn today. All right? My wife is radiant. No stains, no wrinkles. She is holy. They meant somebody. And she is also fun. I love my wife. I love my wife. And that's how God feels about us as the church. We are sinful and we are imperfect, and yet Christ protects, fights for, and lays down his life for his church. Amen. We are radiant. And in addition to being radiant, we want to be a church that's set apart as a city on a hill, a city within a city, if you will. South Florida, the whole Tri-County area, from Day County to Broward, and West Palm Beach County. People love the beaches here, don't we? People love the celebrity culture and the physical beauty within South Florida, but while it is bright and sunny and beautiful physically, I want to tell you this morning that it is ever so dark spiritually. Florida is the third largest state in the United States, with the largest population within the state of Florida being in South Florida. Church, over 78% of the 9 plus million people living in South Florida do not have a relationship with Jesus. If you're an engineer, do the math on that. And so we said, what if, what if as a radiant people of God, we could be a city on a hill and a light to the world? What if we could do our part as a diverse family on a mission and be committed to pushing back spiritual darkness with the light of Jesus in South Florida and beyond? Over time, could an unimaginable amount of people come to saving faith in Jesus and begin to walk with him? Could South Florida transform and become a place of light in every way, being known as the best place to live, work, and to raise a family? Could Radiant City have that type of influence and impact in the world? And would we be willing, if it came down to it, to give our lives toward that end? That's what we talked about then. And that's where we find ourselves this morning, almost two years in, and we've seen God do some amazing things. Over 24 people being baptized since, our, since we started, and more to come. People living on mission and, and growing deeper and into, as, as a family on a mission, doing life together, sharing meals, and, and growing in Christ as they do so. We've seen God do some amazing things. But I truly believe, Radiant City, that the best is yet to come. In our passage of Scripture today, Jesus is going to show and remind us that what we are aspiring to see happen in Radiant City as a church 
Jesus actually called us to do over 2,000 years ago when he physically walked the earth. He says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine among others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. These three verses, church, in Matthew chapter 5, fall within what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, the longest recorded sermon that Jesus has written in the Word. And Jesus gave this sermon on the northern slope of the Sea of Galilee. And during the sermon, Jesus very well, believe it or not, could have been preaching to a crowd this large. Maybe 100 to 200 people, maybe more, maybe less. But it, that, that, that group included the 12 disciples who were following him and a, and a mass of other people who were professing that they wanted to learn more about what it meant to be his disciples. And what Jesus did is, he said, I'm going to preach this sermon, and I want to make sure that you know what it's like to be my disciple. He wanted them to understand the challenging and practical ethic he expects his followers to live by. And he uses this metaphor, church, in verse 14, he uses this metaphor calling us the light of the world. And what this term means for us is that we are to have influence and impact in the world around us. Amen? Maybe you're here this morning and you're trying to figure out where you fit in in life. You've been let down time and time again. Maybe it's through careers or relationships or you're in a transitional season and you're looking for meaning, purpose, and significance in your life. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you question whether or not your life is making a difference. Like, I'm not talking about a, a little smarties. I mean, real significant, meaningful difference. You're asking yourself if what I do on a daily basis, if it really matters, if it really counts. Well, if that's you this morning, I believe God has a word for you. You see, Jesus wants all of us, his followers, to live lives that count. He wants us to live lives that matter, that have meaning, significance, and value because he has meaning, significance, and value. And he invites all of us, each of us, to play a role in his grand plan of reaching the world. That we might shine as lights reflecting Jesus, living like Jesus, modeling Jesus, being like Jesus, and sharing Jesus wherever we go. That collectively, Christians living in the world would influence the world wherever they are that we live out our faith within the culture where God has planted us, and in doing so, we make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Brady, see, that's so important for us, for that to be seared to our hearts this morning, and I pray it does. If you're taking notes right now, here's our big idea for today's message. Our big idea is this. Christians must have an illuminating influence and impact in the world around them. For the glory of God and for the good of all people. I'll show that again. Christians must have an illuminating influence and impact in the world around them for the glory of God and for the good of all people. Church, it's important that we understand that the church collectively will have this type of influence and impact only if 
we truly see this as a mandate from our Lord. That's the only way we're going to see it happen. If Christians are to have the kind of impact and influence in the world that Jesus intended, it will only be because they understand this as a God-given mandate to engage and move towards the culture that's around us. Y'all tracking with me? You know, you know, when I played football in college, some of my teammates were content just to make it on what's called the travel team. They didn't care if they played one down in the game. But as long as they could be there to be on TV and to show up, they were happy. And yet there were other of my teammates that they were devoted to being all in, to playing in the game, to contributing to the team, winning the game. And what I want to say this morning in love is that too many times Christians are content to get into the sidelines and not get into the game. But in this message, Jesus is teaching and telling us that it's all about getting off of the sidelines and getting into the game. But it's not a game, it's real life. And all of eternity is at stake, church. He's calling us to live out our faith in such a real and tangible and vibrant way that it's infectious in the most positive way I can say that. That it's infectious and that it's irresistible to the world around us to where they have to be drawn and attracted to the life we're living. That we are the ones that's influencing the world, not the other way around. That we are impacting our world right here wherever we live, learn, work, and play. Sadly, right now, there are too many of us as Christians that think our faith is something to hold on to until we get to heaven, rather than something that we are to hold out to others while we're still here on earth. Have you ever heard somebody say this? I'm a Christian, but my faith is private. Have you ever heard that before? I have. And if I could just be honest, whenever I hear professing believers say, I'm a Christian, but my faith is private, do you know what's really being said? What you're really saying is that I'm a Christian, but I don't want anybody to notice. I'm a Christian, but I don't want anybody to notice. That's what you're really saying. I don't talk about Jesus. I love Jesus, but I don't let other people know about him. I just want to ask you, when you think about the metaphor being used by Jesus to describe his disciples this morning, when you think about light and what light is used to do, to expose, to illuminate, to shine, when you think about light and what light does, my question for you is, when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, do you think he means, I want you to go unnoticed? Of course not, right? Of course not. It's impossible. Jesus has given us a mandate to influence and impact the world. Jesus is calling his disciples to make a difference in the world, to not be silent, to not be passive, to not be embarrassed or irrelevant with our faith. That's not being a light. Rather, he calls us to engage the culture. He calls us to promote biblical values. He calls us to speak the truth in love. He calls us to live for him. He calls us to share the gospel wherever we go in the gas station with the cashier, in the school as a teacher, in church service when you're walking out and you see somebody you didn't know before, 
with your kids and your family, Deuteronomy chapter 6, to anybody you come in contact with, our heart posture should be, if they don't know Jesus, God, would you use me? Amen? Amen. What it means for us is this. In Radiant City, all of our faiths must be personal, but they should never be private. Never be private. What it means is that collectively we must influence the world wherever God has us, demonstrating the gospel in the way that we love our neighbor and declaring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as the Spirit guides us and as God the Father opens up the doors for us to be able to communicate and share with others. If we're going to be the diverse family on mission, committed to pushing that darkness with the light of Jesus, it's going to take every single one of us. Every single one of you that are sitting here today, your life has meaning, purpose, and significance, and this is what God has invited you into. And that's the first truth I want us to see from this text, if you're taking notes. Number one, very simple, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Six words. In the Bible, the word light is used over 250 times. First, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, when God says infamously, let there be light. And then in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5, it says this, And night will be no more, they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Don't we look forward to that day, church? Amen. We look forward to that. And this morning, Jesus says, we are to be the light of the world. This is a, both a great compliment and a great responsibility. Why do you say that, Cliff? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because there are at least two places in the Gospel of John where Jesus himself refers to himself as the light of the world. John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life. Jesus says of himself, I am the light of the world. And now he says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Just as I shined, now you will shine. In Radiant City, I don't want us to miss that. God has chosen to shine the light of Jesus through us. God has chosen to shine the light of Jesus through us. Think about the moon. If you ever think about the moon, I was talking to my son about this the other day. The moon doesn't actually shine. It doesn't actually give off any light. It only reflects the light that comes from the sun. At night, when the sun has disappeared, we still are enjoying the sun's light coming from the reflection of the moon. And in a similar way, even though Jesus, the light of the world, is no longer on earth physically, his light still remains. As his followers, we reflect his light his nature, the truth of his gospel, and we do so that the whole world might taste and see Amen. that Jesus is good. Amen? Amen. And something I, I don't want us to miss this here. Jesus is making a very powerful declaration in regards to our individual worth and our mission that every believer has. These you declarations are powerful. They assure us that in Christ we are somebody, amen? amen? That God wants you to know that you are a somebody in his plan. That you aren't a mistake. That you have meaning, purpose, and significance. That your life is worth so much. It's worth so much that Christ came to die for you. Man. You matter. 
You are a somebody in Christ. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You are the light of the world. You, individually, you, my sister, you, my brother, you are the light of the world. Church, that's a big deal. That's good news. In our text, the disciples, the 12 disciples, as goofy and as awkward as they might have been, as insignificant as they might have felt about themselves, ordinary people, tax collectors, carpenters, fishermen, right? And the rest of those who are listening, who have placed their faith in Jesus, Jesus looks at them and says, you are the light of the world. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? It matters because there's no other light that Jesus is shining, church. Did you get that? You are not a light. You are the light. We are the light. The church of Jesus, Radiant City, is God's plan A of reaching the world. The people apart from him, church, are on their way to hell for all of eternity. Church, that's a tough truth. Heaven is real, but hell is too. And I don't want us to have wishful thinking about life and just believe we're going to a better place. Shame on me as a pastor of the word if I do so. Church, we are the light. What are we waiting for? That's what I felt in this text. What am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? Are you waiting for an angel to come down and shine light on us? Are we waiting for God to come back and for him to do the evangelistic work for, for us? He could, but he often doesn't work that way. But what does God say? God says, I want to do this work. He says, I will do this work. In faith, receive this word from God. I'm proclaiming this to you, okay? I will do this work, Jesus says, but it will be in and through my people. They will be like my body, my hands and, and feet shining throughout the world. They will be the light of the world. Church Colossians 1.17 says it this way. It says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And Radiant City, what I want to share to you this morning is that the invisible God is also made visible through the church. Man. The Radiant City on the hill is a symbol of the church as a set-apart people in a society that's meant to transform the world. If our light goes out and it's extinguished, what happens? All of our meaning is gone. The chief end of man is to glorify him by enjoying him forever. That's what we were created for, to worship God and to make him known. We are the light of the world, and Jesus never challenges us to become a light. Get this. He simply said that we are. He simply said that we are. It's part of our identity, Radiant City. We either fulfill that responsibility or we don't. You are the light of the world. You're either a good light or you're a bad one. You know, we live in South Florida. This hurricane season, all the lights go out, and you grab that flashlight. You pray it works, right, in that dark season. That's how people are looking at us in this world in South Florida. It doesn't do much good to have a light that doesn't shine. And this is what leads us to our second truth this morning. Number two, number one, you are the light of the world. Number two, your light must shine for all to see. And we see this in verses, the second half of verse 14 and the first half of verse 16. It says, 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, watch it now, let your light shine before others. You know, Radio City, I don't know if you know this, but you're going to know it at some point. I'm a movie guy. I love movies. Anybody here like movies? Sci-fi, thriller, that's right, Pastor Cliff, romantic comedies, romance, notebook, all that stuff. I, I watch it all, right? And one of the best animated movies of all times, if you don't believe me on this, you're walking in darkness, come to the light, all right? <laughs> one of the best animated movies of all times is called The Lion King. Amen? That's right, and maybe that's my problem right there. There's a lot of biblical overlaps there. Maybe a little stretch there, but all right. Right? And I know all the words to the scene. When I watch it with my kids, I'm like, just stop. Just, I'm just always jumping ahead. You know what I mean? Who here hasn't seen the movie Lion King? Exactly. Nobody raised their hand. Right? Well, in this movie, right, there's this epic scene, right? This epic, this, this dope scene where Simba is side by side with his father, Mufasa, right? And they're out there, and they're sitting side by side, and their backs are towards in the camera. And, 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 and Mufasa is putting Simba on game, right? And he's, he's giving him some lion discipleship, right? Some young cub discipleship. And Mufasa says, James L. Jones says, Simba, everything the light touches is our kingdom. And one day, you'll be king. And Simba looks up at his dad and he's like, wow, dad, really? All this is gonna be mine? <laughs> Mufasa says, yes, everything. Everything the light touches. And then Simba asks this great question. He says, but Dad, what about that little shadowing place over there? Is that ours too? And Mufasa says, that's beyond our borders. We must never enter into that area. And I just want to share with you, as I was just thinking about the Lion King today, that's how many of us live the Christian life. We spend all of our days in the light, enjoying fellowship and the sweet benefits that we have as kingdom citizens and cars of Christ, but we never go into the dark places in the world to shine our lights and reach out to those who desperately need to hear the gospel. Does that make sense? Part of what light does is that it invades darkness. It invades darkness. Light exposes and light reveals. And I don't think, church, it's a coincidence that we're back here in this spot on Vision Sunday in this place called Boca Black Box. I, I believe God has us here for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I really believe that he has us here is to disciple our hearts and our heads and our hands to be the missional church that he's called us to be. He's molding us into something. God is using this place to disciple us into being a people capable of stepping into darkness and bringing folks who don't know Jesus, folks that were just like us before we crossed over, and helping them come into the light. And I think it's very important for us to, to remember who we are in Christ, remember our identity. But I think it's also important that we remember where we came from. Because if we remember where we came from, it helps us also to appreciate where we are right now. That we were once sinners, that we were once called darkness, and now we've been brought into God's marvelous light. That God actually transformed our hearts. Some of us here, God has reconciled our marriages. Some of us here, God has literally saved us from leaving this earth physically before we came to know him and we're gone without him for all of eternity. 
Ephesians 5, 8 says this, For at one time you were darkness. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people bought by my own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those ain't my words. That's the word of God. The whole point of being a light is to shine. No one puts it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. Instead of trying to make the, the light or city less visible, you want to make it more visible. What Jesus is saying back in these times that people would put their lamp. They didn't have LED lights, 4K, and all that stuff. They had a little lamp. And so they would put that lamp in the best and most optimal place for it to be able to shine. They put it in the most prominent place in church. What do we know? That light shines the brightest in the darkest of areas. Radiant City exists to push back darkness with the light of Jesus. Our vision and mission is to reach people who are far from God. That's what we want to be focused on as a church plant. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or if you were skeptical about coming here today, I'm so happy you came and that that person invited you to come and they shine their light. We're here for you. We exist to glorify God, but we're here for you. We want to love you. And we might be awkward, but don't give up on us, all right? Amen. We want to be Christians to you. But something else I, I want to point out to us this morning is I believe that this verse has an important implication for us. When it comes to shining our lights, do you know the first place where our light should shine in? Should shine in our house, in our homes, in your house. One of the things that hit me like a pile of bricks this week as I was studying the text is the reality of that is that there's more than a few of us who live all-star Christian lives, all pro-Christian lives out in the community or in the church, but not in our homes. People that work here, one thing, the people that the church see is praising God. Amen, somebody. Yes, Lord, raising their hands up in the air like we just don't care. But the problem is, it isn't what they're doing in their community or in the church, but the problem is what they're not doing in the home. If I can make an important application from this verse, Jesus says that it gives light to the whole house. It gives light to all of those who are in the house. The first place that we should let our light shine is in our homes. And you and I know the problem with that, though, don't we? Isn't it often the hardest place to let your light shine in the home? Kind of be real. Honestly, it's much easier to be a Christian in the community. I hope it's more, much easier to be a Christian in church, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's more easier to be a Christian in church than at the home. But Jesus wants our Christian light to shine first and foremost in our homes where we live, when we are with one another, and where people get to see the real us. When the lights go off, if I can say it that way, we have to keep our lights on. It's so hard. I'm telling my figures as a pastor, it's so easy to be here as he's smiling in front of you. Yes, Jesus is real. But then I get home and I'm tired. And I'm like, oh boy, it's overtime. And sometimes my family can get my leftovers. And I have to ask Jesus, my God who is my strength, to help me and help empower me to live the life that I'm supposed to live. 
and to apologize when I miss the mark. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that, honestly? Personally, in your own life, in your homes, dads, moms, children, grandparents, uncles and aunts. Are you missing the mark here? Do you feel something right now? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is he prompting you right now? If he is, I, I don't want you to feel condemned uh, anyway. Romans 8.1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But if you feel convicted now, I'm so happy because godly sorrow will lead to repentance. It'll lead to repentance. Radiant City, just imagine with me today. Like, just think about it. If a mom or a dad, they come home tonight with their family, they're sitting around the table, and they confess to their family and say, God spoke to me today, and when I heard the word about me being a light, I recognize that I'm not living the way that God's called me to, and I've made a lot of mistakes. And I just want to know that with God's help, I'm hoping to be the best I can be for him, for you, to raise you up in the way that you should go. If you heard your spouse or a family member say that to you tonight, would you think less about them or would you think more about them? Would you think less about them or would you think more about them? Most likely, if you're walking in the Spirit, you'll praise God for what He's doing in and through their lives. And then our vision at Radio City is to help people, to equip people to live out their faiths, to shine their lights wherever they live, learn, work, and play in all areas of their lives. We don't want to have a compartmentalized faith. We want to help people to really understand what it means to live out your life in all of life for Christ. And a lot of Christians struggle with that. Because it's like, man, like, I guess I'm being a good Christian if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm going to church, I'm going to these programs, I'm doing this. But then everything else is just like, law. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's a struggle. And, and God wants us to live meaningful lives. I believe this. This is not heretical. I believe that Jesus, people who are Christians, are empowered to live a better life. I'm not preaching a, a prosperity gospel here. But in John chapter 10, we know this verse. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have a life and have it to the full. Jesus came to give us life that we might live it abundantly. And he's not just saying that figuratively. He means that literally. Jesus wants to change the way you live your life so that when you wash dishes, when you see the dolphins lose every year, right? You're able to be able to see and process that in a different perspective, a more godly perspective, because your hope is not rooted in the dolphins. Praise God, right? That's why we gather on Sundays to hear the gospel through faithful preaching, to sing the gospel in song, to remember the gospel through the Lord's ordinances of baptism and communion, and to respond to the gospel in all of life worship. But we just don't gather on Sundays. We're not a one-day-week type Christian. We're encouraging all of us to scatter throughout the week in the context of biblical community as small families on mission who are doing life together, sharing meals together, getting in the Word together, going to, to, to the kids' football games together. It's not just a program. It's not a program. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a space where people can begin living out their lives wherever they are. And when people get to come in your house, they get to see who you really are, don't they? I was talking to a sister the other day. I'm digressing right now, but it's okay. Um, 
I was talking to a sister today who was on the phone. I was letting her know that we're getting ready to invite her over our house, right? I'm trying to, just so you know, this is your partner here. Crystal and I are trying to have every single person that calls Radio City home in our house this year. That's, our, that's, that's the goal. We'll see if God lets it happen, right? So I'm talking to her, I'm like, hey, you get ready to come over our house. They're like, I got my kids. I'm like, cool. I said, just so you know, you come here. It ain't gonna be spot and clean, right? Like, I'm trying to give her a heads up, you know? Like, the house is not gonna be clean. And I want us to be the type of church where we can be okay not being okay. Where we can be okay letting our guards down and letting people see us for who we are. Because when God, when we do that, it allows space for the light to invade those spaces, for us to be able to see what's really going on, and for us to be the type of people God's called us to be. Amen? Amen. A big part of doing and being a light is, is, is doing good works, and it starts in the home. It's, it starts by letting our light shine. That's why Jesus in verse 16 says, let your light shine before others. That Jesus wants us to have the type of visible presence that when we're around people, our lives illuminate the lives of others and helps them to see their darkness while also being attracted to our light. We're to be a guide showing them the path of righteousness. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and is a light unto my path. And so why do we want others to shine our lights as well? Look with me at verse 16. This is our last point for today. That they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Number three, your light must shine for the glory of God. Hear me on this, Radio City. The vision we have here, it starts with you. It starts with each and every one of you. It starts with me. There are many in this city who are God's people. The purpose of letting our light shine and doing good works is so that people would glorify God and not us. Amen? God wants to use you, but it's not all about you. The goal of our shining is not to say, look at how shiny I am. Look at me. That's what Instagram and Facebook wants to say, right? The goal of our shining is not to say, look how shiny I am. It's to say that, oh my goodness, what a godly father they must have. We want people to glorify God when they see our good works. It's not about how awesome we are, but we want people to see how awesome he is. A couple of things I want to leave you with this morning that are important. Two things. Number one, the first is this. I want to make sure we understand that these three verses and the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, it's not about telling us how to get right with God. Hear what I mean by that. If you want to be right with God, God isn't saying, be shinier and you'll be right with me. That's moralism and that's religion. What Jesus is saying and showing us this morning, he's showing us how we are to live once we are made right with God. Amen? Amen. He's showing us how to, be, how to live once we're made right with God, and that's through faith in Christ Jesus. The only way for us to shine the light of Jesus is to receive Jesus and to receive his righteousness. A righteousness that's apart from the law. Jesus, just a few verses later, chapter 5, as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says this to the group. He says that unless their righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, they'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And when I first read this passage, church, I said to myself, I guess I'm not going to make it. <laughs> Because the scribes and the Pharisees, they followed the law to the T, didn't they? All 600 plus laws. But here's the thing. 
What do we know about the Pharisees' righteousness? It was self-righteous. They took pride in what they did. It wasn't about giving God the glory. But if you, if me, when we, in humility, follow Jesus and surrender our life to him, if we admit that we're a sinner and that we've been walking in darkness and in opposition to God's ways and his light, if we turn from our sin by believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that, that he really did die the death that we deserve and that he really did raise from the grave three days later, that we believe that on the cross he paid and took all of our sins and he gave us all of his righteousness, the great exchange as it's called. The Bible says that he'll give you a new heart, that he'll give you new motivations, that he'll change you from the inside out and that your righteousness will exceed that of the Pharisees because you see receives Christ's righteousness. Amen. Amen. If you want or need to get right with God, the way to God is through repentance of your sin and trusting in the work of Jesus Christ Amen. on the cross. If we make the Sermon on the Mount a way to get with God, we miss the whole point. Lastly, as we think about vision as, as a church, I've been asking myself, what does God, right, people in God, what does God want for our church to look like in the next three to five years? And honestly, I can't go that far out just yet. And I want to get your help in processing that. But what I've got absolute clarity on Radiant City is that God wants us to focus on continuing to shine our lights in word and deed, about being a disciple-making church, about getting off of the defensive side and getting on the offensive side and pushing back darkness with the light of Jesus for God's glory and for the good of all people. And that's what we're going to be maniacally focused on this fall and winter as we enter into the book of Acts next week. The book of Acts is all about the spirit of God breathing on the people of God so that they might do the work of God and shine their lights. And so I want us as a people to be really focused on anchoring down with us as a church. Like I said, if you're here for the first time right now, this is the perfect time to come alongside us because we're going to be focusing on these endeavors. To be pursuing people with the love of Jesus so that we might have an illuminating impact and influence in our world. So that people might glorify God and um, see our good works. Amen? Amen. I'd like to close with a quote from a pastor and theologian by the name of John Stott. And he's looking at Matthew 5, 13 through 16, about being a salt and being a light. And this is what he says. He says, if the house is dark at night, there is no sense on blaming the house. That's what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where's the light? If meat goes bad, there's no sense in blaming the meat. That's what happens when bacteria are allowed to breed unchecked. The question to ask is, where's the salt? If society becomes corrupt like a dark night or a stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society. That's what happens when fallen human society is left to itself and human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. The question to ask, where is the church? Radiant City, we're the church, we're the light of Jesus, we're the bride of Christ. We are a people that have been bought out of darkness into God's marvelous light to declare the excellencies of him. We are Radiant City. We're radiant. Amen. Let's go, church. Let's pray. Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your mercies for the new every morning. 
God, I'm thankful for your word that works as an illuminating agent to penetrate our heart and to help us to see. Ephesians talks about, God, how you've given us eyes to see, that you've given us ears to hear. And Father, I just pray in a special way that as we begin this conversation of what it means to shine our lights, what it means to be witnesses, what it means to be a radiant city, what it means for us to play our part in this role you've given us. God, I pray that you give us grace to embrace our shortcomings. But God, I pray that you give our church, especially right now in the fall, tremendous evangelistic fervor. That you help us to look at our lives and what you've done through them and your faithfulness and all the things you've done, God, and that would work as fuel as we look at your love on display on us in intimate and personal ways. And God, I pray this morning that those who are here for the first time, if, if they're wrestling or in their walk and they're, they're believers, they know you, Jesus, but they've just been on the sidelines, God, I pray that you help nudge them today to even come talk to me or one of our staff after service so that we might help them to see what the next step is following you. And God, I pray for all of those who are either online or are here today and they don't know Jesus. God, I pray that you help remind them of the pointless of their efforts right now apart from you. That they are beating the air and they are running in circles. And even if you, you, you allow them to have monetary possessions and resources and money, that they can't take that with them. God, illuminate their hearts right now in the sound of my voice. Help them to see that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Help them to know that if they just take a step of faith, that you might be prompting them right now. That's not coming from them, that's coming from you. Lord, help give them the confidence and the assurance that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And if they believe on Jesus this morning, and in their hearts right now, they admit that they're a sinner. They believe that you are the Son of God, Jesus, and that you rose from the grave. And that they surrender their lives to you and confess that you are Lord, Lord, that they are saved right now. And God, if that's anybody today, Lord, I pray that you would allow them by a step of faith to come up and talk with us. We love to pray with them. We love to partner with them because that's what you called us to do, to illuminate our lights and shine in the dark world. See Christ, let me pray. Amen.